Welcome to episode number seven of the I Love Kelowna podcast. I am your host, Luke J. Menkes, and I've got an announcement to make. Starting right now, we are going to three episodes a week. So it's going to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because we've got so much great content. We've recorded 17 episodes so far. This is only episode number seven, and we've got, I think, six or seven more firmly scheduled to record. So we've got plenty of content, and uh, I don't want you to have to wait months and months to hear all the great interviews that we've done. So starting right now, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you can expect a brand new episode of this show. If you like the show, please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And I'll tell you what, if you take a screenshot of the review that you've left, I will take you out for a beverage of your choice. So it could be a drink or a coffee or a tea. I would love to meet up with you and uh, I will buy you a drink. If you leave me a five-star review and send me a screenshot. Now, if you or someone you know should be on this show, and the criteria is you live in Kelowna and you've got an interesting story to tell. That's it. And I guess the third criteria is you want to be on the show. So if you meet those three criteria, you have an interesting story to tell. You live in Kelowna and you'd like to be on the show, or if you know someone who meets that three criteria, like a friend of yours or a colleague or someone you know in the city of Kelowna that you would love to see on the show, you want to send a recommendation, all you got to do is shoot us an email to my assistant, Kara Rogers, and her email is Kara, which is K-A-R-A, at my... KelownaAgent.com. That's Kara and my KelownaAgent.com. So today I am sitting in my office with fellow Remax realtor Paul Hawley. And uh, you may know this, but Paul was the drummer for a pretty famous Canadian band called Hot Hot Heat. And um, that band was uh, in business from 1999. To 2016. So today I'm interviewing Paul. Uh, I don't know Paul very well yet, but I am excited to get to know him better. So, first of all, Paul, thank you very much for coming on the show today. I know you're an extremely busy guy, and I really appreciate your time. So, what I want to do today is give you a platform to tell us a little bit about your fascinating life. And uh, tell us about what you love about the job that you do in real estate and your history with the band. So, first of all, maybe uh, why don't you help us fill in some of the details about your background? Well, firstly, uh, thanks for having me, Luke. Uh, um, uh, yes, that's correct. I am a Remax realtor here in Kelowna. Um, I was born and raised in Victoria, British Columbia, born in 1980, which makes me 37 years old. 
uh, I have a wife and two daughters and a pretty extensive history in uh, music and the music business. Um, that all started when I was, uh, before I was a teenager back in Victoria and, you know, doing bands and that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I got, uh, got to, uh, you know, travel a lot and we sold some records and, um, did some touring and played some festivals and, you know, did it. Now we have a pretty extensive back catalog, but, uh, that kind of, um, that kind of lifestyle kind of became um, sort of, uh, how do I put it? It's hard to, you know, hard to sustain um, and, and sort of try and stay healthy at the same time. Do you remember how old you were when you first knew that you could be part of an amazing band? I think when I started doing music, it was just for the sheer curiosity and you you make a connection with it and i never really thought about it in those types of terms like hit songs or whatever touring that all kind of came secondary to you know fiddling around with a ukulele in my room for three hours or whatever when i was eight years old uh but yeah i do have a clear memory of you know when I feel like I crossed a threshold of going from like uh, goofing around with an instrument to like, okay, whoa, now we're doing something kind of cool. Yeah, I think we were in our keyboard player's parents' basement. It was late at night and all of a sudden it was like, this is good. And it was it was just a matter of time for me before I knew everyone else would feel the same way. Um, that was maybe in 1999. So I started doing music when I was five or six on the recorder in school, like a lot of kids in BC at that time probably did. And then, uh, I started guitar when I was nine and drums when I was 11. So that was, you know, 10 years of sucking. Even when I thought we were good, we, a lot of people probably thought we st- we sucked. So, <laughs> I think you've read some Malcolm Gladwell books, and uh, in one of those books, he talks about the Beatles and how they sucked for a long, long time. Ten thousand hour, hour rule, yeah. So, um, you started playing drums when you were eleven. Was that challenging? Like, did your parents say, you know, go in the garage or? Because when kids start to learn an instrument, it's kind of torturous for the listener. Yeah. It takes a while before they actually get pleasing to listen to. So how did you how did you make it as a drummer at 11 years old? I, I don't know. You mean logistically? How did yeah. I make it work? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's the it's the will to want to the will and the vision to to want to see the you can kind of see the end product before anybody else can, and then it's just the time trying to get it right over and over and over again and my parents were pretty patient my dad was a musician is was and um i think they knew that uh i think a lot of parents uh you know it what harm can come of it it's a kind of a racket it's true it's a racket um but you know i I suppose it's better than having them out running around we don't know where they are Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Ask me when my kids start in 10 years or whenever. You were the drummer uh, of Hot Hot Heat from 1999 until 2016. And you guys got started in Victoria. 
Uh, how did you meet your bandmates? In Victoria at that time, in the late 80s and 90s, kind of when I was, you know, um, come in of age, so to speak, uh, there was nothing going on. It was pretty deadsville, uh, at least for, you know, um, a 12-year-old or 13-year-old taking the bus to downtown and walking around. That was like something to do. Um, and then, so born of that were was this sort of really um, incredible group of artists and musicians who kind of came together, gravitated together um, in these in these like little cliques and sort of what you could call a scene. Uh, and uh, a lot of it was centered around like all ages punk rock shows and community halls and. Um, you know, gymnasiums and, you know, once in a while there'd be an out of town band, but mostly it was local bands and everybody knew everybody and it was five bucks and $4 with a can of food and, you know, very, uh, kind of, um, forward thinking, you know, um, eth like punk rock ethos, like, uh, food, not bombs was big and, um, you know, very, you know, vegan and vegetarian and that's, and straight edge was a thing too, that kind of, anyway, What's straight edge? oh, it's like a no drug, no alcohol kind of lifestyle that kind of permeated into music, that scene for a little bit. And then, and you get a little older and that goes out the window. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, we we met all through that kind of scene. It was um, something to do, essentially, in a town where pre-internet, you know, you 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 had to expend your energy somehow, and um, that's how we met. Very cool. So, was it like um, you're with these guys, you're jamming, and then stuff starts to sound pretty good, and then you decide you're gonna try a live performance or how to, how does it evolve like just from a bunch of kids getting together and, and screwing around to getting up on stage getting a record deal like i think it's a lot of uh trial and error and uh stinking and uh i don't know i feel like i for a long time i was like immune to the negative side of it i just wanted to do it so badly that it didn't matter at all, all costs. It was, you know, you get done school and you go to rehearsal. But uh, how do you get from Victoria to, you know, like selling out clubs across the world and selling records? Um, I don't know. I think it's uh, like any success. There's ingenuity and hard work and, you know, a vision. And then there's also some luck and then there's some breaks. And, uh, but, uh, geez, that's a, that's a hard, that's a huge question. How did you do it step by step? I'll say we were all in other bands and kind of together and kind of apart and kind of together and kind of apart, just not doing anything great for a long time. And it took us a while to kind of, to get there. And, uh, you know, and it, it comes and it goes, it's like, it's really kind of elusive. Can you think of, um, a moment when a, a promoter or a producer or somebody said, Hey, we want to talk about a record deal with you guys. Like we want to have a contract or, or something that was like, wow, like 
I always got the sense whenever I accomplish something that, you know, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But often there's a moment where someone comes and says, hey, I want to, you know, list my house with you or something for the first time. And you kind of remember that. Was there a moment when someone from a record label or a concert promoter or someone said, hey, you guys are really great. I want to sign you guys up or I want to talk about it. There was that lightning bolt when we got the call from Sub Pop Records. I'm not sure if you're familiar with. They're like a sort of a bigger, one of the bigger independent record labels. They're based out of Seattle. They're sort of famous for doing like Nirvana's first album. And then they, uh, that came out, their Nevermind kind of came out on Sub Pop and, and Geffen. And they still do incredible albums, and they support local, but they also do national records. Anyway, we it was our you know ambition to be on that label, and and then one day we we're kind of we had a in with them through a, a girl in Vancouver, and she had sent them our stuff, and we were talking to this guy Tony Cool, and he called us, and that was like, then we want to work with you, and that was certainly a lightning bolt. Um, like okay. That we got the call. It didn't happen overnight. Like the the lead up to that was still tons of years of work. Right. But uh, being on Sub Pop, like even when we signed to Warner Brothers later, that kind of felt like okay, that was that was a nac- sort of a next natural move. But c- going from like local indie releases, tapes, cassettes, seven inch records to something like Sub Pop in my mind was the chasm to cross. And by the time we made the jump to um, Warner Brothers, I felt like, okay, yeah, we are going to naturally do that. But the sub pop thing did and still does kind of blow my mind a little bit. Right. And uh, you said you're 38. Is that right? Yeah, kind of 38. <laughs> Something like that. Um, and one of one of the things that amazes me about life is how much we change and our perspective changes. You know, I'm still the same person I was when I was a kid, but in many ways I'm very different also. How old are you? 48. 48 now. Yeah. I don't feel 48, but can you tell us, can you share a story with us from your past that if someone who just recently met you, like myself, and they were to hear this story, something you did or something that you said or something that happened to you when you were younger. And if you told me this, uh, it would be kind of surprising. And I'd be curious about it. I'm, I'm sure you got dozens, but is there one that pops in your head like something that when you tell me, I'm going to be like, wow, that was the same Paul? Well, there was certainly, you know, in... In those in those early band years, quite a bit of celebration happening and imbibing. Um, I don't think we made any secret of it, and I think everybody else at that age was kind of doing the same thing. It was pretty wild. Like we, I had gone from, you know, we were I was a kid working at a bakery, and in the space of a few years, gone from you know Victoria, Vancouver Island driving up island to play shows in Courtney Comox and Nanaimo to 80 people mm-hmm. to, you know, being, you know, um, drinking beers with Dave Grohl backstage in a field in Germany. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so that, that, that was pretty wild. And then we ended up touring with Foo Fighters quite a bit and, you know, but that's kind of, 
neither here nor there, but that's a good story. Right. Uh, people like him. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, the band ended it in 2016. Is that accurate? Uh, well, it it had wound down, uh, and we kind of we kind of resuscitated it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, but the final record I think was recorded in 13, and then it came out in 2016. So it kind of got put on the back burner, and then um, that I, I guess if you want to. For me, it was over in 2013, but it f- technically was still, I guess, public entity. I don't know, whatever you call it, legally. Right. Um, but yeah, we didn't do any real promo for that record. That that was kind of it. Mm. Um, that's about the time that I really started considering doing, you know, real estate as a as a job, as a career, as as a passion. So is it because of getting into real estate? Is that the main reason the band kind of wound up in 2013 with the last release coming out three years later? So t- tell me about that. Like, why was it three years between, you know, recording and, and releasing? Um, I wouldn't say it was m- my interest in real estate that uh, why the band wound down. It was more like, it was more like, I'd been doing music and bands since I was 15. I was on tour from when I was 15. And then um, Hot Hot Heat started, and I was 19. And then we were sort of national and then international by the time I was 22. Mm -hmm. And I did that for my whole career. And it was like, it was more like, okay, well, in 2013, it's like, well, what am I going to do now? It was a real. you know, I was out on a limb. I had I have no experience with work, but just tons of life experience. Um, and then uh, we did that record, and I can't remember why it took so long. Um, I, I don't even. Uh, maybe it wasn't that good. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was that, but it was sort of in that down period that I met my wife and that really was like another lightning bolt really changed the trajectory of my life um up until then I was kind of like and even when I was in the band I was like well you have these delusions of grandeur like oh it's going to go on forever but then somewhere in the back of your mind like this can't go on forever I mean it can for certain people certain people can they keep their career going and Rolling stones. stones. I mean, that's uh, yeah. a pretty amazing example, but uh, I don't know. I, um, I met her and you know, everything that was blurry in the periphery kind of came into focus for me and I could see my future um, pretty crystal clear. And uh, you know, I owe, I owe all of that to her. You have kids now? I do. Small ones, right? Two little ones, two little Got a two, almost two and a half year old, Ellie, and uh, Rosie will be a year next month. So it's pretty wild times. Yeah, kids really change you for sure. I've got two, two, yeah. two daughters. Um, Same. Two yeah, daughters. seven and thirteen now. But uh, my life really changed when my eldest daughter was born. I mean, it t- totally changes your perspective. Can you tell us about a setback? major setback that you had in your life 
um, whether with the band or personally, and how you got past it. And what you would advise someone who's younger going through a similar situation. Yeah, I guess, you know, like the band kind of winding down and finally coming to an end mentally. That was really like, because it had kind of given me a a reason to, to, to get up in the morning. That was, it was huge. And it took me a, a, a quite, quite a, it took me a few years to kind of come around to what it was going to be like without it. Um, and fortunately, like, like I said, in that time I met my wife and I, I worked in film for a short period when we lived in Vancouver and met some really nice people and met a lot of weirdos doing film too. But, um, that kind of gave me a, some income and some perspective on what like hard work was. Um, and then, you know, I like, again, I, my whole, like I said, when I met my wife, my whole future seemed like it, it came into focus and, you know, her, with her encouragement, I kind of, you know, um, got, started looking more seriously at like, um, what I was going to do for, uh, for the rest of my life. And real estate was sort of, it's something you can do and make your own and grow with, um, for the rest of your life. But how did I get through that period? I don't know. I, uh, I probably drank too much for a while. Um, just trying to figure it all out. Um, and once I kind of got past that, I don't know. Like I really don't, I feel really weird about giving uh, advice, especially, especially anonymously. And, but I I just don't feel qual. I don't, I've never felt qualified to try and tell anybody other than, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of pick something and go for it. And hopefully you like it and you can't switch too often. (laughs) You know, you can switch a few times, but you got to kind of get good at something and yeah. it's really, that's the tricky bit is, uh, you know, kind of what are you going to focus your, your ideas and your energy and your creativity on, um, and really kind of make your own, uh, how did you, yeah, I kind of stumbled, you know, into finding this, not stumbled into it but I wasn't laser focused on it from a, an early age or something because right. real estate is something you, people usually come around to as a second or third career. Yeah. Uh, there's a few guys in this office who aren't there started when they're young and it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Now they're doing great business and they're, you know, half our age, so not half, right. but yeah, I guess uh, what I would say is just, you know, whatever you're going through will pass. You can get good at almost anything. If you put your mind to it, if you work hard and you practice correctly, and if you can get a coach, and I mean, if you can't afford a coach, you can go on YouTube or get podcasts. I mean, there's so much great free coaching out there. You did it with the band. There's periods in throughout your life that definitely come, they, there's a beginning to it and an end to it. And that's, you know, what I would tell my kids is that you're going to go through these 
things where you're in school and then one day you won't be in school right. and then you're going to meet a person and then one day maybe that that relationship will be over but you, uh, so some that's the advice I'd go back and give myself is that things won't always stay the same and to mentally prepare for things to be different uh, and but yeah like you said you can get good at pretty much anything there's no you don't need to be Albert Einstein or Elon Musk you thinking about or John Lennon or whatever you you can do your own thing as well as you want to do it and frankly everybody else is that you admire in your life is just doing their life the best they can and uh you know you don't you know geniuses are few and far between and you don't need to strive to that so you're a realtor tell us what you love about real estate how long you've been doing it and so on uh, i'm in my second year i'm a year and a half in what I what I love about it is the whole property aspect is is being is become and is becoming demystified for me. Like I never understood it. I my parents never owned a house. Uh, it was always an aspiration of mine, and I always wanted to understand how the process worked. Um, and you know um, that's been. A, a, a joy and an eye opener and every day it is like you, you wake up and you just look at the mountain to climb and try and climb a few meters of it um but uh you know the, the you meet some awesome people too in you know that that's that's where the joy is is having those interactions and um and you know getting to meet people like you and other people in this office and um, you know, uh, I feel like, uh, I feel lucky every day because I've, I've, I get to sleep in my own bed, you know, every night. Whereas for years I was just endlessly grinding away on the road and that, that becomes, becomes a grind, you know, it's all different than you think it is just like every job you get to see the veneer of what it is but the under inner workings are much much different and there's a lot more to it than i thought there was and which you know is um it's a relief because it is a complicated it's a complicated job um and it's so multifaceted I've been coming to Kelowna for 20 years, but the past couple of years have been the biggest change for me in my whole life. We moved from Vancouver. I started a new job. We had two new babies. Like th- these couple of years have felt like, I don't know, I just feel like a spinning top sometimes. Well, I think what I got from what you just said was uh, have some savings. And uh, learn as much as you can, um, because there's so much to learn. Yeah, right, everybody. and just keep learning. Paul, if someone is interested in talking with you about real estate, what is the easiest way for them to reach you? Call, text, email, all that stuff. Two five zero eight six four seven two eight five. Call me, text me. Paul at paulholly.ca. That's my email. Thank you very much, Paul. Uh, I feel like I've learned something today. We got 
to know you a little better on a personal level. Thank you, Luke. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I'll uh, I'll make my way back to my office around the corner. <laughs>